Hi, and welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. Over the past month or so, we have started having guests on the podcast with us, and it has really been an eye-opener for me. It's just been a real comfort for me and a real moment of normalizing my own story. I think that up until now, I have had people tell me that the twists and turns of my spiritual journey are beneficial for myself and others, but I never really believed them. I grew up in a Christian home, but then explored different types of spirituality and now live in a pretty alternative, intentional spiritual community. And I feel like there's times for me where I struggle to connect in my identity with people outside of my residential community and helping them understand the type of lifestyle that I live. And I mean, it's confusing to the point where people don't even know what to call it. I was on the phone with my sister-in-law a few weeks ago and she like wanted to ask me how things were going here. And she was like, how is it at the, uh, what do you say? Ashram? Like she didn't even know what word to use to connect with me. Well, you know, and, and she's somebody that I know well, you know. So I feel like there's just small details about my life that people struggle to connect with because I've chosen an alternative route to the one that I was raised in. And at the same time, within the community that I live, I feel like there are things about my identity. For example, this podcast that I'm on, like a Christian-based <laughs> spiritual podcast or that I do a weekly Bible study or that I attend church that is different than the people that I live with and, and worship with and practice with. And then I'm in ministerial school, which is not a Christian ministerial school, but like an alternative master's program. And a lot of people in that also have identities that I feel like I don't really relate to. And it's complicated for me to explain my identity spiritually. And I guess in a world where we talk a lot about identity now, listening to these guests come on and share their own stories of journeying towards the spiritual identity that they now embrace has just been so helpful. And I think it speaks to kind of an age old truth that I had forgotten that when you hear someone authentically tell their story, it makes you feel more comfortable in your own um, but it's just something I hadn't considered before we started doing it and it's just really touched me to hear the winding stories of our guests and hear their vulnerability and willingness to share those twists and turns and has made me realize that my own journey has been valuable and that what I felt was a complicated identity in faith may actually be more normal than I thought, which for me is really good news and has encouraged me to, rather than compartmentalize the different areas of my spiritual identity, just embrace them and be more open and honest in settings that feel safe and accepting awesome so, yeah. nice nice i um 
the image that came to mind as you were talking and as I reflect back on me growing up in the, the script, yeah. I grew up in that, adopted that and lived that for a bit and and then started growing and having other thoughts that didn't fit in it. And the image that comes to mind is the disciples out in the boat when the storm's happening and not the one where Jesus is sleeping in the boat, but where Jesus comes walking to them on the water and says to them, yep, it's me, come on out. And Peter jumps out of the boat and is actually walking on the water until he hears the wind and the waves and starts to sink and Jesus has to grab him, but he's walking on the water and you can almost hear the other disciples say, wait a minute, we can get out of the boat. And to me, that's what these journeys that our guests have, have shared are it's like getting out of the script that you were that you grew up with not necessarily because it's bad but because it's too confining and so like i see all of you as people that are walking on the water or at least not staying in the boat yeah and i guess the the question is is everybody walking on the water? Is anybody left in the boat? Huh. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, there are people left in the boat. I pastor some of them. And I deal with some of them. And I hear some of them on Facebook. You know, I left a church because switching analogies but, it, but it's the same thing. I said, they don't want me to knock down these fences. They're horses that are very happy being in the corral. They feel safe in the corral. Maybe they'll let the master get on them and ride them out of the corral to do a mission but they really want to be back in the corral and they want to bring others back to the corral. And at that point in my ministry, I wanted to break the fences because to me, the fences were keeping people out. Um, I didn't even think about the fences, letting people free. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to keep people out. Um, but once I knocked the fence down and got out there, I found out that the people that were out there didn't want to come in the corral anyway, you know, but, but there are plenty of people who want to be there because it's safe. It's comfortable. It's what you know. Yeah. And, you and know? I think it's also, um, depending on the life that we've lived and depending on the needs that have been created because of that life. I think for some people, that is the ultimate thing that faith can give them is the safety and security of those boundaries, you know, and a feeling right. of right. connection and a feeling of community and clarity. And um, yeah, I mean, 
I remember a couple of years ago, I went to an Andy Stanley conference and I looked around and saw like all these young, bright, like Christian up and coming leaders. And I, I felt so envious that like, I just hadn't followed that like simple, smooth path and that I could have been one of them, you know? Hmm. So I think that there is something really nice about that feeling of this is exactly where I belong and the people that I'm associating with are all like me. No, there right. is something so right. nice about that. And honestly, in my life, I have felt really confused and isolated and like really like imposter syndrome in many faith circles, you know, and right. it can right. be really unpleasant and it can be really, um, yeah, isolating. And I think if I didn't feel the drive to continue in my journey with God, I may have very easily just dropped out of that path because it wasn't easy, you know? Whereas I think when you're surrounded by like-minded people in a structure that makes sense to you in an environment that's comfortable, you're much more likely to go the distance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It can be really supportive of someone's faith journey. Yeah. 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 I, I think... Like personally, if we look at the the people of God in the nation, uh, in the Israelites, you know, they had that period where they wandered in the desert with God. And then they came to the promised land and lived with God in the land. And then they built the temple. And that's where God dwelt. Um, I guess in those in those scenarios, I'm happiest wandering in the wilderness with God, or being settled in a land where I'm free to go where I want to go because God's going to go with me. You know, I'm I'm least happiest if I have this set of rules, these certain times, these physical places that I have to go to be with God, you know. But for some people, that's the strength of their life. Yeah. And so like that first church that I left, I had to leave because I didn't want to take that away from them. Exactly. Yeah. I was the one that had to go out into the wilderness. Right. Not them. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just such a different conversation for me than I understood it before. You know how, I mean, I don't know if everybody has this, but I know I have it. Like when I was like 19 or 20 or 21 and like, I didn't understand what the boys were trying to communicate to me. And I felt so confused in like a dating world. And I thought like, why did this boy say this one day and then this another day? And why didn't he act the way I expected him to? And I was like so confused. And I thought I was crazy. And I thought I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought that nobody liked me. And that was my problem. And now looking back, I'm like, are you kidding me? You expected like a 20 year old boy to be like logical and consistent, you know? (laughs) 
like now from a different perspective, I understand. Like I wasn't crazy. Like the world of 19 and 20 year olds dating is crazy, you know? Absolutely. So it's completely like reframed that conversation for me. And I think that is kind of this, a similar arc that has happened for me around these journeys of faith is that, yeah, I think before I thought that I was the only one stepping out of the boat and it felt very uncomfortable and lonely, you know? Yeah. And I think just have hearing these stories, but then even just as the years have passed and having this conversation now, I mean, my early younger self would have been shocked that we were even saying there might not be anyone in the boat, you know, like <laughs> the fact, and I don't know if that's just a trend that has happened. Like, I mean, actually, I know it's a trend that happened because I just wrote a paper about it. <laughs> you right. know, like the whole spiritual but not religious category is growing in America. So obviously it's a right. trend. Um, so I don't know if it's just that now I'm starting to meet other people that have had that same journey or if at that time I just didn't know that I wasn't alone, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's also hard. Yeah, if you're a Christian, if you're a yogi, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a... Uh, agnostic you can find people in those categories but if you don't right. know how to define your spiritual identity it's hard to find other people with similarly undefined spiritual identities i mean even the three people that we've had conversations with in this podcast they all might be similar to me in that they don't have a traditionally understood spiritual identity but the four of us do not have the same identity <laughs> right Right. Or the same spiritual place that you would call home right. or boat. Yeah, because most of us who walk on water, I mean, that sounds really I know. Physical, <laughs> right? But, it, but in the image, most of us who are wandering in the desert yeah. still have a place that we call home. Right. You know, and and that's different for each one of us. Yeah. You know, so so even though you hear the stories and say, oh, we're kindred spirits, but I'm not probably not going to worship with you on a regular basis. Right. You know, I would be glad to come with you and see what a a Jewish celebration is and experience that at its real authentic level. And I would be, I would love to sit with you and learn from you some of the the ways of Buddha, right. you know, or I would love to be a part of the chanting and see the service at the altar of a devotee's worship, right. you know, or I would love to come with you on Christmas as you celebrate the birth of your Christ. You know, but on a weekly basis, we've all found different places to call home. Right. We're more likely to see each other wandering through the desert. Right. And I think the interesting part for at least the, the three that we have spoken with is many of them might be going to places of worship that they call home on a weekly basis, but none of them fully identify with the creed of that place. Right. You know, right. like, right. so I think that is also a difference, like, than how it used to be, you know? Yes. 
at least publicly. I mean, maybe people felt that way privately, but they didn't share it. You know. Yes. It's interesting because it reminds me of this docu-series I've been watching about young women who are in discernment to decide whether or not they want to be nuns. And one of them is quite young and she had kind of like a nervous breakdown and she asked to call her mom and she was like almost hyperventilating. Like she knew she didn't have her phone. So she was like asking the producer if she could have a phone so that she could call her mother so she could talk to her mother. And she like, they gave it to her and she like ran off to call her mom and she was so upset. And one of the, um, what do you call them? Like the mother nuns? <laughs> what are they called? Like, oh, the mother superior? Yeah. Like one of the mother superiors was saying like, you know, of course, like it's fine that she wants to call her mom and it's probably showing that she's not in a place where she's ready for this type of transition. Um, and that's completely fine. And she was saying, but the thing is, is when you're going through a challenging spiritual process like discernment, you're going to come up against these things that are really confronting and really uncomfortable. And you can turn to someone like your mother, that's probably like a fine choice. Mm. But actually what we want is that you take that opportunity to turn towards Jesus. Right. Like in that moment when she's so uncomfortable and hyperventilating that she feels like she needs a lifeline, the lifeline right. she they want her to be turning towards is God. Right, right. And I think in a way, like that's what not having a easy community has done for me in those situations where I feel confused or confronted there's not just like an obvious faith leader to turn to because my faith leaders in my life are kind of compartmentalized you know yeah and so at the center of my faith is not a book or a service or a tradition it's my relationship with god right right yeah like my my first intensive spiritual growth my came through my clinical pastoral education where i had to work in a hospital and where i was i i did that as a chaplain and there was like five others of us that did that at the same time and we had a process group that helped us deal with all the emotions of that but also specifically the spiritual journey of that and my counselor my mother superior at that point was too smart for me i wanted to be assigned to like the emergency room or the 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 pediatric section, because I wanted to be a savior. Yeah. You know, he put me on the AIDS ward back in the 80s when AIDS was new, and the psoriasis wing, which could not be healed. He put me in the two places where there was going to be no healing, Um, so that I had to deal with not being a savior or figuring out how to introduce the savior in a whole different way. And the challenge that that brought up spiritually was to take away all my answers. And that led me to the point where we got to my mother. My mother always had faith answers. 
She always was the, the one that I would go to. My dad was the pastor in my life, but my mom was my spiritual guru. Yeah. And we got to a point in session where they said to me, or they led me to say, I have to get my mom off the throne, don't I? And they said, yes, you do. You've got to let God be God yeah. and not let your mom be God. Yeah. And that was me getting out of the boat. Yeah. You know, and life has been different since. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, good different in the long run, but that left me struggling for a while. Yeah. You know, like Peter sinking in the water instead of walking on it. Yeah. 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 How do you move forward as a spiritual leader? How do you decide what to share about yourself? And how do you decide which, like, like if you don't line up completely with a, the theology of the person that you're ministering to, like, do you share that? Like, do you, what do you do? You know? Hmm. Hmm. I think of the advice that I got from counselors because a good counselor doesn't work with you from within their perspective. They enter your perspective. I think of the doctor who operated on my hand. Um, I, I had wrecked, I had had a piece of glass that from a window that cut through my hand and I was in danger of having two fingers be paralyzed and, and, and it had, you know, it could, it had damaged nerves and maybe he could fix them. And I was nervous and I met him and he walked in the door and I was sitting up on that table with my legs dangling, which always makes you feel like a two-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, like a little kid out of control, um, hoping that this, this person can help you. And he came in and put down his clipboard and jumped up on the table with me and sat next to me and his feet were dangling. Mm -hmm. And he took my hand and he said, now, what are we going to do about this hand? And it was like, so cool. I, I immediately fell in love with him and trusted him because he sat beside me. He had all the knowledge to come in and say, all right, you've got this. I've looked at these. You've got this and this and this, and we have to do this. But he didn't. He jumped on the table with me and held my hand out, and we both looked at it. Mm -hmm. And I think too much of my life as a pastor 
too much. I think I'm supposed to do it at times, but too much of my time as a pastor have been sharing what I know as the truth and offering it to people if they want to take part. But if I really take seriously what we're sharing, I need to treat each person like an individual. Yeah. And sit with them and find out what they think. What moves them, what motivates them, what they're looking for. And look from their perspective, not from mine. And maybe be another set of eyes that can say, oh, looks like we have three or four paths to choose. Yeah. You know, I can see down this one. I can't see anything there. Which way do you want to go? You know? Yeah. It's, that's like so nice, a visual of him like being next to you. You know? Yes. Yeah. If you're standing opposite somebody and you're concerned about how you're going to portray yourself to them, then mm, you're mm. kind of caught up in that and you don't know how you're going to be able to serve them. But with that doctor, it was like he sat next to you and you both looked at the problem. So it wasn't about him. Right. You know? It was right. about you and your concerns. Yeah. You know? It didn't matter what was on his plate. What mattered in that moment was what was on your plate. And yeah. that's where he put his attention and that's where you were free to put your attention. You know? Yeah. So I think that's actually like really helpful because it allows me to be free in my own journey as that evolves and continues and gives me skills and strength to serve others, you know? Yeah. But doesn't need yeah. to get in the way of my ability to minister to other people. Yeah. It doesn't need yeah. to be about that. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't. need to be about me. <laughs> And I make it about me too much. And when Peter made it about him, that's when he fell, right? You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast, and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.